0: welcome to the garbage pod one pod one
1: load of garbage
0: 29 and 28
1: remanded in custody there's something really been curious about this broadcast.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to The Garbage Pod. I know it's been a long while since our last episode and I apologise for that and I hope this episode will make amends for it. If you're a long-time listener to The Garbage Pod and our sibling podcast TGP Nominal, you will have heard us talk about an amazing event that I'm really proud to be part of and it's called Feel the Force Day, which is a popular culture convention designed to be as accessible as possible so that whether you're disabled or not, everyone can enjoy the event together. One of the characters at the Event is the compare Eddie Spangles who is an awesome guy and fun to chat with. Recently I caught up with Eddie for a recording session for TGP Nominal, and after that session we carried on chatting about all kinds of stuff, including Phil the Force Day. and I thought that it would make ideal content for the garbage pod. So without further ado, I bring you Eddie Spangles.
1: Before I started helping with Phil the Force Day I didn't realise how many issues there are. Mm. When I spoke to Simon and JJ about why Feel the Force Day was made in the first place, I was like, but why don't they cater for people at conventions? And when you actually start actually thinking about it, you're like, yes, we're all guilty of it. You know? we oh yeah, Feel the Force Day has massively opened my eyes. And not last year, the year before, I actually saw a, a kid there that had disability issues. And I went backstage and bawled my eyes out. And I'm like, yeah, why have I never realised that this is a thing? And we're, we're all human. We mm-hmm. should all be treated the same. So why can't we? Yeah. So we should have somebody in the, uh, the Houses of Parliament with disability kids. I Totally. Yeah.
0: Because... Disabled children's families don't have anybody to go to when they first find out that their child is going to be disabled when it's, you know before the baby's born. Yeah, and yeah. They just don't know where to turn. At that point, you're feeling very alone. And then, it, because huge, of other huge. associations and things, and 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 then obviously events like Field of Force Day bringing people together, it's fantastic. But it yeah, is it something that something does need to be
1: done massively? And I yeah, and I think. If Feel the Force Day gets any bigger, they can be the forefront in the UK to, sh- to point these issues out. Mm-hmm. You know, not in a, and I don't mean in a in a way that you know we're, we're all out there picketing and all that. I just j- to make people aware. Even if it's like you haven't got a disability, come along to Feel the Force Day and have a look. Little things like that make make a, make a big difference, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's one thing I, I like to put forward that. I, I don't like using the word disability. People are able differently. And, and the reason I say that is because some of these kids that we come across at Field of Force Day and other events as well, the things they actually do, and people call these kids disabled...
1: But they're more superhuman than we are yeah because you know they, they there's they can't do x y and z but they can do it they just need to go they, a different way they around just it.
0: need to do it in a different way and that's yeah. the way i've always been taught to think i never go straight on and through a situation i always think around a situation and that's what these kids have to do uh, on a daily basis they have to think around a situation and that's all people need to see is that doesn't matter who you are you can do it All right, it might take a bit longer, but it can be done.
1: Totally. I mean, I was... Oh, last year of primary school, and my primary school teacher got my mum and dad in and said, look, Eddie struggles a lot. There might be a sign of uh, dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember a lot as a kid, but I do remember the tests that were done on me. Yeah. And it came out that I, I was dyslexic. And up until that point, I kept it quiet that i didn't understand what was going on in school until this i don't know if he was a doctor i don't know but he taught me instead of somebody goes a b c d i will go a f g h then back to b right but i still get there Mm -hmm. but i need to learn my own way of getting around it yeah yeah
0: i was born with uh, a lack of oxygen to the brain situation and uh, that caused me to have a few coordination issues yeah. And uh, obviously I had to have physiotherapy and, and uh, different bits and pieces. And people thought because I had those issues that I wasn't going to be academically any good. And uh, I was put in what they then called a remedial class. Yes. I
1: had, yeah. I had that term yeah. as well.
0: Um, but the teacher in charge of that then realised I could read fine. I just had difficulty getting the words down on paper. If Don't I you. needed to write anything, I still do now. I hate my writing. It's awful.
1: I do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just silly. Well, to me, it, it annoys me because it is silly. If, like, and you go on Facebook and you try and get your point across and somebody will go, oh, I'm spelling mistakes. Like, yeah. All right. Okay. But just because I spelled it wrong doesn't mean I have no idea what I'm talking about. But you knew what I wanted
0: to say, though, didn't you?
1: <laughs> yeah. You are just arguing with my <laughs> fact you haven't got an argument and the only thing you can pick on is my spell. hmm Yeah. So, I've, well, we're getting really deep now.
0: <laughs> That's, no, it's good. It's good. Um, but, yeah, so, I came through it like that um Mm. my other problem was that i I used to get bullied a lot at school and um they said to me the school said to me how would you like to use word processors and stuff which means you'd have to come out of your class and and do it on a wordpress because this was back in the days when not everybody had laptops and all that kind of stuff
1: was it a bbc computer by any chance it was yeah (laughs) i think think. (laughs) showing our age
0: so I could have had the option of going out of the class and doing my written work on a word processor, but then I, it came down to me that if I did that, I'm bringing attention to myself again. Yeah. And the last thing I, what you want when you're being bullied anyway is more attention being put yeah, on yourself. Yeah, you don't
1: yourself. want to be singled out, do you? That's, no. Yeah.
0: So I struggled with it, but I got through it, and um, I was told that I wouldn't get any qualifications and I wouldn't do what I wanted to do. Because there was two things I wanted in life. One of them was after to be an astronaut, which I knew that wasn't going to happen. And the other was to get into broadcasting.
1: Well, you're doing that, so done. Well, I
0: I used to work for the local radio station.
1: Oh, even better, yeah. So
0: when I got the job at the local radio station, I went back to the school and
1: said, that's what I think of what you thought of me when I left school, kind of. Yeah. So, I I did, I mean, I left school when I was 16, very average GCSE results then I went to drama college and people, the teachers were just like what are you doing this is stupid but then from the age of 18 until six years ago I was working for an entertainment company as a manager okay so yeah, I, you know, yes, I guess I didn't make it onto, onto, onto TV, which, which I always wanted to do. But to me, I was still in the entertainment business. So that was tick, done.
0: But the thing is now doing what I do and going around to these different events like Field of Force Day, yeah, I get to speak to people that were on television.
1: Same as me, yeah.
0: And I'd never thought I'd be talking with people that are on television I never thought I'd be speaking to people involved with building rockets and things like that <laughs> um, it's something I'd always wanted to do but I'd never dreamed that I would be doing it and uh, it's amazing
1: I'm a massive Darren Brown fan hmm and I went to see him or oh, two years ago in Swansea and he always themes his shows and basically the, the theme of this show was don't follow anybody else's goals you set your own goals but your goals can always change. Mm-hmm. There's no point following somebody else because you will, you'll never live up to anybody else's standards. Just, no. just your own. And you can change them every three seconds if you like. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally agree.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, probably my own worst critic to be honest
1: with you, but... Oh, God, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but that does give you that get up and go to do something better. And, that, and that's all I really want in life Is to do better than I did the year before There's no point in setting out um, like New Year's resolutions and things Because you never keep to them But just go out there and no. do The following year better than the year before
1: Yeah, and for me The biggest thing and the biggest worry I ever had Was becoming a dad How am I going to be as a, as a parent? Oh my god, oh my god And then, do you know what? You, you just do it And now I, that was that was like four years ago And now I go, there go I've proved that I can do it Talking about my daughter, she went to her Field the Force Day last year. She, she's into everything, running around and that. And we were like, oh, she's going to get bored in 10 minutes. Not at all. The whole day. We got there at nine o'clock in the morning till six o'clock in the evening, and she never got bored once. So to keep a four year old entertained for that long, it shows that Field the Force Day is a great thing. I think it was your daughter. There, there's the clip of. I was scared what you were going to say then. When you. She, yeah, when you... If, she, if it was broken, she probably did it.
0: <laughs> when. They were showing the different uh, parody videos, and it got to um, the new one, and yes. JJ had come off the stage, and he was singing up close to a young girl. I think it was your
1: daughter. There's probably a good chance. <laughs> he, he's, uh, he's taught my daughter a few things that probably wouldn't be suitable for primary school, but <laughs> it's, the damage is done. And then we have to keep saying, there's only JJ that finds that funny. <laughs> Oh, right, okay.
0: There's one thing I always remember from, from this is from the West Midlands event. Um, I'm trying to conduct a, well, a serious interview with Simon, and it's being broadcast live on Facebook
1: Live. It's dangerous. Yeah, go
0: And we're right up by the windows of the front of the building. And JJ walks past and he decides to lift his shirt and press his belly up against oh, the can't window. He can't help it, can he? He can't help Just it. as we're doing this interview. And I've started laughing. Simon doesn't know what I'm laughing at. And we kind of like turn around and he's going, oh, he's done it again, hasn't he? And
1: it was... <laughs> I was like, this is going out live on Facebook. It's amazing. And uh, Mark, to all your all your listeners of, uh, of your podcast as well, if you don't know who JJ and Simon are, I think you need to put links to their Facebook page just so people can get an idea of what these two are like. Yeah, for... I do
0: try and, <laughs> as much as possible, try and put the message across about Simon and JJ. But as I said to you, the, the the best way of finding out about them is by experiencing them. And the best way of doing that is turning up
1: to a Field of Force Day event. Ah. Yes, please do. Me and my best friend, um, we were blue coats together. Mm -hmm. And we both live in Wales now, two English boys. And we want to do our own podcast about two 40-some, near 40-somethings English boys living in Wales. That could be fun. Yeah.
0: Because, well, I mean, uh, did you have any issues with the language barrier or
1: is it... Not many, but where I live... I'd say one percent of the people that live in my area can speak Welsh, right? Wow, fluently. And then where my mate lives, which is an was right away, I'd say eighty percent of them speak Welsh fluently. So
0: it is a purely regional thing. Well. Massively, massively.
1: So in the valleys where I live, which is like in between Merthyr Tydfil and we're just on the borders of Cardiff and Swansea, because not many people speak Welsh.
0: One of the first people I actually interviewed on the show was uh, Gallus Jones,
1: It's a Welsh name. (laughs) Uh,
0: Otherwise known as Gaz Top. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I loved him when I was a kid. And that started off, because I I collect theme tunes, (laughs) and I was trying to get the theme tune, a decent copy of the theme tune to a show he used to do on Saturday mornings called Get Fresh
1: get fresh that was amazing and this
0: person calling himself gareth jones got hold of me and said i've got a copy if you wanted it right and i went gareth jones sure. i went are you gaz top and he went the one and only oh wow and uh, he sent me an email telling me about the theme tune because it was written by mick jones from the clash
1: unbelievable that was the one with oh, the alien
0: uh gilbert Snot, gilbert oh, the, the alien uh with uh, phil cornwell
1: did the voice did, did he yeah ah yeah me, me and the missus were like whenever we meet somebody like my missus is like two years older than me and whenever we meet somebody our age normally one of the first conversations is do you remember that green alien off saturday morning tv
0: because they used to do a show called gilbert's fridge Yes, I did. In yeah. the afternoons.
1: It is interesting to note that the first thing that Edwin Buzz Aldrin said as he stepped triumphantly from the lunar module onto the very surface of the moon was, I say, Neil, I need a proper hat for this caper. When you said we were going to the moon, I thought you meant troon. Well, Taurus and Aquarius will disappear for the next fortnight on a golfing weekend. Virgos are warned not to enter into any projected business ventures involving any sort of geese, although most Brent geese could tell you a thing or two about index-linked saving schemes and flexible loans. Relatives rally round in support if you were born on the cuffs of Octavios and Cattlehorn the cart horse. Pisces, the strongest of the wooden signs, lying within the realms of the solar system's two largest planets, Saturn and Saffron Walden. Good be living.
0: And um, there's a, a, a bit in there. It's supposed to be set in a prisoner of war camp in World War Two. Right. And it was called How Far to Hitchin'.
1: How far to hitchin'. It's hitchin', I'm missing. How far to hitchin'. It's hitchin', I'm missing. How far to hitchin'. It's hitchin', I'm missing. How far to hitchin'. It's hitchin', I'm missing.
0: And Hitchin is the next town on from where I'm sat right now. Okay. Uh, It just keeps reminding me, every time we go to Hitchin, uh, how far to Hitchin, it's uh, about five minutes on the train. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) yeah, so gareth uh I, I said to him look i'm, I'm doing this podcast and i, I said I'd, I'd love to talk to you about your career mm. and he said you sound like you know a little bit about it already <laughs> and uh i said well <laughs> yeah so he came on the show as like the first interview i ever conducted and everyone said are you sure you've never done this before and i went no i haven't And they said well you just sound like You felt at home just talking to him. And I said, well, that's what I was doing. I was just chatting with him and just threw a few questions in here and there. I said to him, so what did you want to be? And he said, there was two things I wanted to be in life. Either the bass player for Slade. (laughs) Yeah. Or the first Welshman on the moon. (laughs) I'm
1: guessing he's still got a chance.
0: (laughs) I did say to him, if Wales ever got a space programme, you'd have to make the rockets three times as big. And I, he said, why is that? I said, well, if you have double L with everything, Apollo would be A-P-double-L-double-L-O. Oh, take it forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. But he, he, he loved all that. I uh, bet. I can't remember. Well, we were celebrating something traditionally British, and I put up a, a picture of Captain Britain, the um, the comic book character. Yes. And uh he changed it, said it was all red, white and green and stuck a dragon on his head. Amazing. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, it was Captain Cumray, you know, it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
0: Because he does a podcast himself. All right. And it's all about cars and stuff. And it's called Gareth Jones on
1: Speed. I've only recently just got into all this podcast M- malarkey. It's, this is, it's all pretty new to me it is it's is good fun i mean i listen to them when i go to bed because i can't listen i can't go to bed in silence so i have to have something on my train journey is an hour every day so i was like what can i do because i'm up listening to music and somebody somebody at work just went will you try a podcast i went a what oh, all right and i'll give it a go and i love them
0: <laughs> yeah trying to explain to someone what a podcast is yeah it's talk radio and radio four but you get to choose the subject yeah because you can type anything into uh oh you
1: can, it's amazing yeah. It, did you
0: say you downloaded Podcast
1: Addict? I have. That's the one that I downloaded when you when you mentioned. It is
0: really good. The thing I like about it is it also uses iTunes
1: to search for what you want to find. I saw that because you said there's a tick box to search for iTunes. And
0: it finds a lot more by doing it that way. And it also gives you the option to share it. So you can okay. either share the link to the podcast or you can share it as a file so they can actually listen to that actual episode. On you know on social media or whatever you wanted.
1: My last birthday, we bought tickets to go and see a show based on a podcast. They were filming a podcast. Wow! And I went. I listened to them. I don't know if you know. It's um Angelos Epithemu and Barry from Watford. <laughs> I do know them. <laughs> right. They put a podcast and they said we're filming it and it was on my birthday and I went I've got to go and it was 10 pound a ticket to go and see them film a, a podcast it was amazing outstanding
0: so this is the same with Gareth because he did his 10 year anniversary and he decided he was going to do it live in front of an audience because yes. usually it's the three of these guys sat in these in his dining room with a pizza talking about cars <laughs> and stuff <laughs> I Love it. and uh, I thought okay and so he invited me along so I'd, I'd never actually met him. I'd always done stuff via Skype. And uh, so it was in a, a pub in Islington, a back room in a pub in Islington. <laughs> Everybody, we, we are here in uh, North London, in uh, Islington, in a pub called the Islington. Very confusingly, yes. <laughs> and I'm with the uh, one and only Gareth Jones, who, if if you're a regular listener to the Garbage pot, uh, he appeared on an episode to which we entitled the first Welshman on the moon.
2: Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Where it will be. <laughs> And uh, we, we have been talking through Twitter for for, for a little while, and uh, it's just amazing to to be here tonight for your well, uh, anniversary show. Thank you for coming. We you know we have no concept of how people receive our programme you know we just make it because we think it's a good idea and it's what we do you know Zogrich and I want to get together we want to talk about cars and people uh, seem to want to download what we do I know and so to give a bit of thanks to have a bit of a party to do it with the audience with us that was the most exquisite feeling and then to play some of our songs was it was a treat it was a bigger treat for us than it was for you and with what? One of, your, one of your mates from, from the band that you... Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a roadie for. Well, all, all the people in the band uh, are genuinely important people to me. Eddie, I've known, like I said, 37 years. Uh, Steve Allen, I've known... 38 years Um, uh, Melissa was my girlfriend a quarter of a century ago (laughs) Anna and I have been pals since 1985, Freddie the bass player, I knew him before he was born because I knew his mum and dad Uh, and Eric uh, I borrowed to be our drummer for a song about uh, five years ago for On Speed and I thought right, he is my drummer and then Zog and Richard were so competent at doing what they do as well I couldn't be happy and the
0: thing is I've heard other people saying the same outside That it's not necessarily
2: about the content it's the chemistry between you yeah, three yeah I agree um we uh We talk about the same stuff that you guys talk about as car fans, but when Richard says it, it's funny, (laughs) whatever it is. and when Zog makes an observation, it's, you know, genuinely correct and very funny. And I am very grateful to have two really good mates. You know, these are arguably my best mates in the world here. And... uh, you'd think after 10 years of doing On Speed we would have A, run out of things to talk about or B, be bored about what we're talking about but none of those things are true you know we, we still have fun and we know that that stands because you know the, the, the downloads are still going up for the programme it's still climbing which is glorious thank you well, that's brilliant it is it is amazing
0: to be here and to, to see that the the emotion that you, when you, you had when you were, were performing up there
2: tonight oh I cried my eyes out <laughs> yesterday in rehearsals um, you know I imagine these songs with, with Richard and Zog and they exist in my head um, then I record them at home and I sort of play everything and do the backing vocals on Zog and Richard do bits but to have a real band do it and then when real singers like Melissa and Anna get behind the songs they sang a line yesterday and it's floods of tears crying my eyes out you know it was you know, you have hopes and dreams and ambitions. And when they're realised, it just breaks you down, really. yeah. It's... I'm a Welshman, I cry a lot, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, tonight...
0: I mean, we hear what, what's on the podcast, but to, to have that and actually have the feedback straight away is oh. unbelievable.
2: When we do the programme at home, we kind of hope and imagine that people are entertained by what we say. But to do it in a room where people laugh and cheer at those moments is... Yeah, devastating is the wrong word but levelling definitely levelling that's it because as, as you know
0: being a podcaster it's yeah. until you start getting that feedback you don't know what people are thinking
2: no no so, <laughs> no. It, you can rely on Twitter I had a good, incl- uh, a good indication from uh, social media that we're doing it right because of the sort of responses we get mm-hmm. but it's nothing like being in a room with people oh no that's you should true. do the next grabbing post like this oh we've written been any talking songs? about that actually <laughs>
0: Yeah, Is yeah, yeah. It's it, absolutely brilliant night And um,
2: another 10 years I think that's up to uh, Three other people <laughs> I think it's up to Richard and Zog and Violet of course if Violet doesn't mind these two boys coming round to my house and drinking beer eating pizza and talking nonsense about cars for another ten years and they don't mind doing it I certainly don't brilliant well it's been an honour to meet you sir Uh, after after all these years I feel like I know you we've never actually met but I feel like I know you it's the same it's the same I mean we had a wonderful time when you came on
0: last and uh, so we only thought that so we should
2: uh, uh Thank you. return the favour and uh well, come tonight. See you in ten years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Gareth. So there he was in this like vest top thing and a a leather kilt and uh, he was totally rock and roll, you know. And it was a good evening. I nearly missed the last train back actually, but um, yeah, it was a good night out. It's
1: amazing. Podcasts are just like, they're just getting people together. I think it's amazing.
0: When I first started doing this podcast, when I went to different conventions and meeting people from Red Dwarf, it's like, well, if it wasn't for you guys... I wouldn't have come up with the name for this podcast. And When you I,
1: told me about that, I was like, oh, God, you brought some, brought back so many memories of me being a teenager.
0: And, and the first person I actually spoke to about naming the podcast was Chris Barry, because he was really? the one with that line.
1: It's a smegging garbage pot!
0: <laughs> and so I've got a, a picture of him holding one of our patch badges in yeah. full Rimmer. He's The facial expressions is full Arnold Rimmer and it's it's just amazing and and since then I've obviously I met Hattie at uh, Field yeah. of Force
1: Day, and she was marvelous to interview. Isn't she lovely? Just she... when I was in the when I actually like after a couple of minutes got my head around who I was talking to. such a, a lovely woman,
0: yeah. And when I went to Field of Force Day, West Midlands,
1: I met Norman Lovett right. now he had a program after red dwarf oh, i love it nobody remembers it and i he had a talk there was a talking a dog, dog. Puppet.
0: yeah yes. yes we were actually talking about that when i was talking to him
1: what a program
0: he was saying something about i think steve coogan was originally going to be the voice of the dog right it didn't actually happen but that's who he wanted to be the voice of the dog ah. so yeah Um, And we we were talking about a a, a manner of different things. And uh, the next thing he's planning on doing is a sitcom based around what he's seen and conversations he's heard when when he's been at conventions.
1: That will be funny. I bet they hear some great stuff.
0: (laughs) Because nobody's come up with anything like that before. So that would be really good. Yeah. Yeah. If you made it as a fly on the wall thing, yeah. A a bit like extras, but
1: set around the convention scene. (laughs) With the celebrities slagging each other off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. If that ever happens, I need to know that.
0: that, That'd be great. Meeting the people behind Red Dwarf, which obviously inspired me to name this podcast, was just amazing. And some of the other people that I've met whilst being at at Field of Force Day has been brilliant as we've pointed out, that you feel exactly the same about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is
1: amazing. I moved to Wales. My daughter's four, so just over five and a half years ago. And I started working as a big call centre in Merthyr Tidville uh, for EE, the mobile phone company. Not the call centre. No, <laughs> no, not that one, no. And um, one of our managers, he had a part-time job. He was freelance. And he made a lot of props for Doctor Who. Oh, wow. So he used to make all the guns for the aliens. And they're all his design as well. And I used to bring them into work. And of course, and a lot of people were like, yeah, whatever. And there was me going, oh, my God, I'm drooling over it. It's, you know, people used to look at me and go, you just need to get out more. And like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't believe it. This guy who works at a call center part time sits in his shed builds amazing props. I think there's a guy that lives next door but one to my
0: mum who is involved in that kind of thing somewhere along the line. Yeah. Uh, or he was because he's retired now. I don't even think he's 40. So he's made a hell of a lot of money out of it. Oh, yeah. That's what's been with the new Star Wars movies. There's been a lot of that going on. It, is, it hasn't been all in-house. I mean, you look at the R2 units. The guys that were at Field of Force Day with their R2 units...
1: Yes, the, the group
0: that they're part of actually did the real R2 units for
1: the new Star Wars movies. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because one of the guys that was there, he was at the original the very first one as well. He was like, "Well, you know, what's what's the the, the law about copying?" And he went, "George Lucas company gave us, yeah, the specs to build it." And I was like, "What, well, really?" And he went, "Yeah, they they are. There's a fax. That's how you build it."
0: And, of course, they build it to such a, a, a perfect degree of, of oh, uh, yeah. precise measurements and everything else that when J.J. Abrams was doing the, the new ones, they said, oh, we're going to have to start building this kind of stuff. And George Lucas said to him, no, you don't. There's a, there's a group of people over in
1: England that will do, do it for you. Yeah, and won't see it as a job. It's not a job to them, is it? No. You know, that's the thing. So, uh, I think the guy you're talking
0: about is James, because he's been there a few times. He's, he's a really nice guy, actually. Yes.
1: You don't, you don't realise all these big companies that are American. I only thought that American film studios only ever use the British to be the baddies no. in the films. No. Because they do, because we're the best at it. Well, yeah. But uh, also, it's amazing that they build all these fantastic
0: props as well. I think we are the best in the world at making special effects. and yeah, that, didn't know that. That's I why am- they come to us.
1: Yeah, it's just this little island. Oh, that's amazing.
0: There was a the advertising campaign, a promotional campaign for promoting British business, and they used Star Wars as the the basis of it. Um, and they were talking to different people who was involved in Star Wars, and it, the the slogan went, "I'm Gareth Edwards, director of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and I'm very proud to say it
1: was made great in Britain." <laughs> I love it. I so said, I just didn't know that. You just yeah. You don't hear about it. It's not advertised very well, is it? I don't think. Richard Herring podcast. Do you listen to Richard Herring? I have heard a couple of his, yeah. Is he was talking to Adam Buxton, who's got his own podcast. Oh, Adam Adam is amazing. He's the god of podcasts, <laughs> you know. And he was saying, because um Richard Herring said, and he asked his audience, he says, Would you rather me have a GoFundMe where you send me a pound a year or a pound a month? Or would you prefer it for companies to pay for advertising? And people said, we'd rather give you a pound mm-hmm. than have to listen to a bloody advert. Yeah. But then on Adam Buxton's podcasts, because he makes the adverts himself. <laughs> Which are funny. And makes them funny. But he gets away with it. But then he built a career on that, though. because oh, I mean, if I'm he, trying to fall with um, Adam and Joe. Joe. The podcast where Adam Buxton was getting interviewed, Adam Buxton's in it as well. I mean, Joe Cornish <laughs> is in Shaun of the Dead, if you really look for him. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: The third one was, yes. was filmed right here. What was it? <laughs> yeah. I actually live in Newton Haven. So right. <laughs> it's bizarre. I actually did a podcast about that, believe it or not. you probably would believe it. Uh, we actually... Uh, have, you, have you seen The World's End? Yes, yes. Right, okay. So you know it's based around a pub crawl. Yeah. Okay, our podcast, we went to all the pubs in there and had a pint in each of them like they did in... So the pubs do exist in that town? uh, Not all of them. Some of them are other things disguised as. And one of them is the local cinema, which was the mermaid (laughs) in the (laughs) film, which was the nightclub. Um, And when you went to see The World's End here, there was a little 32nd piece from Simon Pegg Nick Frost and Edgar Wright saying
1: Hello Letchworth I'm Simon Pegg,
0: I'm Edgar Wright and I'm Nick Frost and you are about to watch our new film The World's End in the fabulous Broadway cinema which doubles for pub number 8 The Mermaid. This means you are actually in the movie. It's a 4D experience. We really hope you enjoy. Cheers! Cheers. Not but love for you
1: Letch. (laughs)
0: Wow. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God.
1: (laughs) I love stuff like that. Just the tiny little things.
0: You know, (laughs) and we had to delay our Christmas light switch on that year because they were (laughs) filming because it was supposed to be set in about September. So we yeah. couldn't have the Christmas lights on until they'd finished filming. Oh. So to say thanks for delaying everything, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost came and switched on our Christmas lights.
1: Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> was, it, was it advertised so the whole town was actually uh,
0: The whole funded. town was there. It was actually yeah, And the, the speech they gave was excellent. He said, you do realise... Because of this movie, you're going to get loads of tourists coming to the town. To, to see. And he said, and we won't be here, and you can't touch us. So... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was brilliant. I mean... Um, I bet. I got in touch with local people that were involved with the movie. The pubs, uh, particularly. And I spoke to people behind the scenes with that. We have these things in, in Letchworth called town wardens. Town wardens go around doing things like police used to do, like tell you where things are and tell you the time and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, if, you, if you need to sort out something, they can go and find it for you, that kind of thing. And one of the guys who's a town warden, he was at every shooting that they did for the movie. Really? So he took photographs at every single part of the movie and he said, oh, I've got some photographs if you want them. Uh, he said, I'll put them onto a disc and he said, you could use them for the podcast. You know, put them in the show notes, do what you want with them. Yeah. I was thinking now, there's going to be a few. I put this disc in the computer, there was 500 photographs.
1: Oh, wow. So I've got all this behind-the-scenes footage. That's amazing. Uh, and th- I love stuff like that. It's brilliant. We had an old guy um, when I worked on the Holy Parks, and I worked down in, um, called Holywell Bay, just outside of Newquay in Cornwall, And it's where they filmed an intro to one of the Pierce Brosnan and James Bond films. Oh, right. So what it is, James Bond is surfing into the beach on this huge 20-foot wave. Mm-hmm. And then as he gets on there, it's supposed to be somewhere in Asia, but it's not, it's in Cornwall. <laughs> and there's an old boy who lives there, and every week he'd come in, and he's got this book about all these things. And I was I was like, you know, that's really interesting. But the best thing about it is, they'd left little bits of souvenirs there for people to find. Well, the funniest thing is, you keep finding barbed wire all over the beach Ouch! Yeah, but it's made of rubber oh right rubber wire <laughs> rubber, like, you know people would be screaming and you get the locals go up and go it's alright you can pick it up it's only rubber and, you know, <laughs> just little yeah there was little coins lying around and we, we've got
0: these um, rubbish bins all over the town and obviously Newton Haven had their own town council and they had this special symbol which in the film it, it comes out that the actual symbol represents the alien yes. thing yeah. And it was actually the sign of the town council. And if you go to all of the rubbish bins in the town centre, they've <laughs> still got Newton Haven town council signage on them.
1: Amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Creighton, what are you doing, man? Oh, sir.
0: I'm listening to the Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere.
1: I'm a Red Wolf fan because when I was a teenager that one of the funniest things that was on TV. Oh, I remember watching the very first episode and the series of Red Dwarf. I was I was eight. My mum let me stay up to watch it because my mum didn't know what it was. And she went, Well, you've watched the first episode, you may as well watch the rest. And all my friends at school were really envious that I managed to watch Red Dwarf when it was out. I remember trying to remember as much of it as possible, telling my friends the next day the jokes.
0: There are because some classics in, in
1: Red Dwarf. I, I still use them to this day. I know Simon gets bleeped a lot on this on the show, but Smeghead. Yeah. How many people still use Smeghead now? Yeah. One of
0: my favourite um, put downs or a term that they used to put people down was um, "you total Gwendolyn. <laughs> and the reason why that is in the, in there was because the, when they were trying to commission Red Dwarf and it got turned down so many times...
1: I was just about to say the BBC kept turning it down, The, yeah. the
0: commissioner for, for that kind of thing was a guy... I can't remember his first name, but his surname was Gwendolyn.
1: Love
0: it. Um, so they used it as a kind of a total put-down to someone, calling it by the name who wouldn't commission the TV show.
1: Amazing. That's just... <laughs> Grant Naylor just getting their own back. Ah, oh. <laughs> so clever. So, yeah, Red Wolf, um, huge fan. Uh, I'm probably going to upset a lot of people now, but there are only three Star Wars films. Oh, I'm just waiting for somebody. Oh. Whenever this goes out, I'm just waiting for the tweets to come out. How dare you? How dare you? Um, Star Trek. I haven't got a problem with it. I've got a problem with my mum making me watch it. <laughs> because it was on BBC two, what, six o'clock every day? Yep. Monday to Friday. I don't like being told what I've got to do. So because my mum's, you've got to watch this. I was like, nah, not watching that. And I just couldn't do it. So I think it's put me off for life. So thanks, mum.
0: I, I think I've got more into the movies than I did the TV shows. Yeah.
1: I think as a kid, I think Quantum Leap was a huge thing of my younger life. That was very clever. Even as a kid. And there's probably jokes in there that I didn't get. I haven't watched it since. But I just remember having to watch it all the time. And, and another one, my co-host, John, loves the show as
0: well. Danger Mouse.
1: Oh, absolutely superb. And I, I
0: never knew that it actually made it over to the States no. until, until John went, oh, I love
1: that show. And you know what? Because I've got a young daughter now, I watch the, the new. The new uh, ones are just new... as good, actually. Yes, I was like, I'm not going to like this. It's got Stephen Fry in it. I'm like, yes, done, sold.
0: The perfect Colonel K. (laughs) Isn't Um he? The narrator, who's Dave Lamb.
1: Dave Lamb, horrible histories and stuff like that.
0: um, Well, most people, well, mm -hmm, a certain type of people will know him from "Come Dine with Me." But (laughs) um,
1: but yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and he's just as sarcastic in that as he is in Danger Mouse. Yeah, uh, but he's a lot more talented than that. I mean, he used to be on the radio quite a lot. I didn't know until recently that he was the uh, the token white guy in uh, goodness gracious me youtube's
1: coming out after this i, think I, need to... <laughs> I didn't
0: know that that may sound <laughs> offensive what i just said there but it is not because goodness gracious me is, is a sketch show where the entire cast are asian people and they like to turn the tables a little bit with all the jokes oh, are where a lot of white people used to take the mickey out of it, the asian community over certain things they used to turn the tables and reverse it and it, it was very yeah. clever very clever
1: The family, uh, I won't do the accent. Uh, They used to do a sketch where there'd be a dad uh, and his son, and um, He everybody was was, um, Indian. Indian, yeah. And he'd say, uh, Superman, he's Indian, he's got two jobs.
0: Yeah, and just roll it. Winston Uh, Churchill was Indian, Uh, (laughs) William Shakespeare was Indian. um
1: what a great program
0: it was it was ahead of its time actually really yeah, was ahead of its time it? yeah dave lamb was on that but as you say the, the amount of people that are involved with this new danger mouse and that's all because they grew up with the original and they loved it
1: and uh, alexander armstrong who does the voice of uh dm yeah danger mouse he's great i didn't think it would work no, <coughs> with no. him doing but it does yeah because david jason is he is he's an icon isn't he yeah He's not mimicking the old Danger Mouse. No, they've completely, re- else.
0: completely revamped it. The Kevin Eldon
1: is, is brilliant as as Penfold. Yes. Yeah, it's the comedy that makes Danger Mouse, isn't it? Yeah. It's all tongue-in-cheek, all of it.
0: And and some of the characters they started bringing into... I mean, going back to the science side of things, they had this... Um, uh, are you aware of a, a guy called... Uh, you must do... Elon Musk. Yes. What um, Of SpaceX and, and Tesla Odd, and... Yeah. Um, Um, And PayPal, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. I don't expect that. Okay, right. (laughs) And, um, yeah, there's a character that was in the new Danger Mouse called Elon Muskrat. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can see the guy. There's a guy at his computer going, right, I'm I'm, right in this... uh... Kids' comedy, and I need a character name. Just wow, where has he pulled that from?
0: That's amazing. (laughs) They've changed Greenback a little bit. Um, He was always called Baron von Greenback in the original series, but yeah, there was no reason why he was a von. But now they've given him this very camp East German kind of accent. And uh, yeah, it fits
1: <laughs> oh, It's great, it's absolutely great But yeah, I'd never thought that that comedy would have travelled to America that, That's great Yeah, that
0: and Duck Killer Duck Killer made it over Ducula. to wow Which I've got all of Danger Mouse and Duck on DVD I've got both, of everything. 167 episodes of the original Danger
1: Mouse is that? I don't know if many people remember this Um mother, Ralph, when I first met her I think she won me over because she had every episode of Chalton and the Wheelies on oh. DVD. And I was like, yeah, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Hello, little lady. <laughs> and especially because the dra- the uh, the witch is Welsh, and of course I fell in love with the Welsh girl. <laughs> that witch was amazing. Was it Fluella? Fluella. Yeah. I hate the dragon! <laughs> Chorlton
0: and the Wheelies, that is a weird programme to try and pitch.
1: I mean, no, I, I don't think it would ever be shown on TV anymore. Basically, because of the um, the book that the witch owned. Oh, the uh, that was a German accent as well, wasn't it? Well, it, it was a German accent, but all of the uh, the text on the book was all in Jewish. Oh. However, they thought that was okay in the seventies. There was a, another show that uh, this didn't make it over to the states. I'm
0: very, very surprised. With a very, very. Brilliant actor in it, uh oh, Willie Rushton. Trapdoor. Trapdoor, yes. And Burke. I don't know if many people know about this. They probably do. But I discovered it by accident that you had that little spider thing that used to scuttle yes. around the floor. And, and, and off it go. And his name was Drut. Right. Which if you put that backwards
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why kids do we not realise these things? That's... <laughs> That's amazing the only reason that I remember it so well, I obviously watched the cartoon as a kid, but I had the game on my um, Spectrum computer.
0: Oh, there was two of them. It was a, like a box set one. It had the, the first one on one side and the, the sequel on the other.
1: Right. When they
0: when they used to re-release them at $1.99, you know, those... That,
1: yeah, that's why I had it, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that is a really hard game. Yeah. Him upstairs what? used to want some
1: boiled that, eyeballs. That's the game on. that I had, yeah, and you'd go up to him and he'd tell you what he wanted. He had to go and find it put it in the the elevator and then you to open the trap door and something used to fly out of it and you (laughs) had to try and get the things back down the hole again and then do you know what if if anybody who's listened to this is under the age of i don't know 25 30 you don't know what a difficult computer game is (laughs) because i I probably had three games that you couldn't complete which i found out recently there's a guy I i i watch on youtube that these games were released, you couldn't finish them because they were never programmed. Wow. That's when you're a hardcore gamer. <laughs> my friend had a Commodore. Right. He had a he was Commodore and Sega and I was Spectrum and Nintendo. See, I was the other
0: way around. I was Spectrum and, <laughs> and Sega, so it's like okay. But the
1: arguments that we'd have at school about Nintendo and Sega was just stupid. You look back now and you go, Oh my god. <laughs> we just wasted so much time arguing. But um yeah, the Spectrum
0: they've they've re released it. Um it's Did now cool is it as a handheld or something? The, yeah, that was the Spectrum Vega, which was But it all went wrong uh, didn't it. Was it was rubbish. But the Spectrum Next is an awesome machine. It's got more memory in it, it's got more colours in it so you don't get all that colour clash that you used to get on the spectrum.
1: But do you want that? You want that you want it to be realistic, I think. Or <laughs> well, you should have an option of turning it on or off. I think there
0: is. Great. I can't remember how powerful it is compared... It's It's not like 128K. It's a lot bigger than that. But you do have the option of saving things to an SD card.
1: Oh! <laughs> is that cheated? <laughs> you've got to play the game all in one go.
0: And then you've got, like, like HDMI compatibility, so you can plug it into the modern TVs and all this <gasps> kind of stuff. It's
1: just... I remember, like, playing a game and then, like... Because you can't save it, so... You'd turn the TV off, but you'd leave the spectrum on. Mm. And then you go to school and you, oh, well, I hope Mum's not been in the bedroom because if she's touched it, it'll be turned off and I'll just start again. And one thing
0: I will always remember about the the spectrum is you start it up, you load it up, you, you load quote marks and, <laughs> and, and and set it off. And you go downstairs and you make a coffee and, and, and everything else. You come back upstairs and it's still loading. And it's crashed. And yeah, tape loading error. And. Uh, <laughs> You've got that breeze block of a power pack that's with it which was brilliant in the winter because you could put your feet oh, up, put
1: your feet on it and keep your feet yeah. warm. One of my friends at school, his parents were very uh, very open about things. And I learned a lot of swear words from my spectrum. There was a game <laughs> I won't say them. There was a game uh, released, the character was based on a book by Adrian Edmondson.
0: Oh yes, I do know
1: the game. All right. And it was How to Be a Complete and basically, the game was there was a house party, and you had to go and chat up a girl, but you had the farts. And if you pressed F on the keyboard, it'd f. But if you pressed F too many times, it'd explode. <laughs> now, as an eight year old kid, that is funny. Um, you know that is the funniest thing I remember. Do you remember a
0: game? There was I. I don't remember playing the the original, but I remember playing the sequel, which was called Back to School, and the original one was called School Days. And the idea was that you had to do certain things around the school, so you had to get a combination for the lock that separated the boys' school from the girls' school.
1: <laughs> um, right.
0: But the only way you could do that, get the combination number, was by getting a water pistol, and then filling up you know the cups the trophy cups which were on a a display shelf and you had to fill them up with a water pistol Uh and then when the teacher used to walk underneath the cup you used to shoot it with a catapult to knock the cup over soak the teacher used to give you a number so you had to remember all these numbers for this combination lock yeah. go and yeah. unlock it get into the girls school because there was things in there that you needed to get to if you got found out you're in the girls school you used to get lines
1: right and you had to so, do it in the game
0: yeah so you got the oh. line you got given the lines and you had to what? try and get rid of these lines the more you got the worse it got for you and if you got <laughs> to like ten thousand lines or something like that that's the end of the game basically and what you had to do to try and get rid of the lines is you had your girlfriend that was in the girls' school you had to try and find her give her a kiss and she used to do your lines but if you did that too many times she slaps you around the face and you ended up on the floor (laughs) it's a brilliant game and the thing i liked about it is when you loaded the game up you could change the names of all the characters so that they could relate to people in your actual school
1: you're asking for trouble there aren't you
0: yeah There's always a song that comes out that you thought the the version that you first heard was the original.
1: Yes. And then you find out that it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was it for me, probably just be coming up to a teenager, it would have been uh, the Fugees, Killing, Killing Me softly. softly.
0: Yeah. One of them for me was People Are Strange by Echo and the Bunnymen, which yeah. was in yeah. The Lost Boys. Yeah. And I didn't realise that was a Dawes record. Normally you go, well, the original's much better. It's the first time I've ever actually gone, Oh, no, actually the new version's better than the original. <laughs> but there was another one. You know, they made such a, a big thing out of this album that Michael Jackson made, well, it was released after he died. Yes. And there's a song on there called Behind the Mask. And when I grew up, it was done by Eric Clapton. So I did a bit of research into it, and... I then found out that another guy had done it earlier than Eric Clapton, a guy called Greg Phillygames. who turns out to be the keyboard player for Eric Clapton and was the musical director for Michael Jackson, who did Amazing, the first Amazing, isn't novel. it? Yeah. And then I found out that they did, still wasn't the ones who did it originally. It was done by this Japanese band called the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Version of it is completely different i was blown away because I, oh, I thought the definitive version of this was eric clapton and then i found out this
1: this thing came out in 1978. so i love stuff like that. i do um in our local pub i help with the um the pub quiz oh yeah and i'll do the, the music round and i'll do 20 songs so guess the song guess the artist and the last question will be what's the link sometimes it'll be really easy sometimes it'll be really difficult i did one where the answer for the last question was that all covers all right and i found out and i didn't believe it and i had to go and find the track cindy lauper girls just want to have fun it's not her song okay and it was a guy that released it originally I was like no you know when you go on you you look on websites and you go mm, i don't believe that no it was a bloke that released it
0: craig charles's show on um radio two which is yeah great show he does that thing by uh, a cover by another brother or mother yes or thing. yeah and um some of the ones that come out of the closet on that one i was like wow i uh, yeah you know, i didn't know songs. that one existed and uh you have to look them up and and stuff like that and uh, they are brilliant and you saying about that, that round you do on the pub quiz Mark Radcliffe used to do a similar thing on his six music show right it was called The Chain and you had to what, what oh, is the next yeah. link in The Chain mm-hmm. and each day somebody has to come up with another link to the song that was played the day before it's really so, clever so by the end of the week you've got this massive chain of, of records that are linked somehow By the first one on the Monday.
1: So you could have gone from Celine Dion on the Monday to, I don't know, Iron Maiden on the Friday. Yeah. Love stuff like that.
0: You know, there's this thing that that they do where there's um, so many steps away from a certain artist or... It's uh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah.
1: Why Kevin Bacon? I don't know, but
0: yeah. But in the music world, it's Prince. Mmm. Because you can connect so many different people back to Prince. It's unbelievable Cliff Richard Cliff Richard and Prince (laughs) It's a very very slight connection But there is a connection And the connection is That Prince When he first started out He started out with a band called The Time Right uh, Which had a guy Lead singer called Morris Day And there was two members of the band One called Jimmy Jam And the other one was called Terry Lewis Who became producers Okay Right now they produced the likes of Alexandra O'Neill and Janet Jackson. Ah. Uh-huh. Janet Jackson's first album had a track that she did a duet with Cliff Richard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love stuff like that. It's it, it, it just stupid stuff, stupid trivia that just. Um, have, uh, Kate, Kate Bush. It.
0: Kate Bush. There's a connection with Prince. Kate you would never oh. have put those two together. Prince. There is a song on Kate Bush's album, The Red Shoes, that was in the 90s, Mm -hmm. and she did a, a song, originally didn't have Prince on it, but Prince heard it before it was actually released on the album, and decided to get in touch with her and say, I'd like to be involved with this. Wow. He produced the song, he did the backing vocals, and not only that, there's somebody else on the backing vocals, and it's Lenny Henry. No, How was how, how he? <laughs> I don't even know how he got involved. Uh, we I went to one of his gigs. Uh, it, y- this yeah. gig was called Cradle to the Rave. Right. Lenny Henry's gig. So the first part of the gig was all about music that inspired him and, and different things like that. Second part of it, he gets with a band and he starts jamming away and stuff. And it was actually really good, the music part of it. But then he was talking about this track, Why Do I Love You, with uh, Prince and Kate Bush. And he goes, you don't believe me, do you? So he actually played the track or part of the track where the chorus line, where he comes in, and you can actually, if you listen, you go, that's definitely Lenny oh, singing on there. And he kept pointing it accent. out. He
1: was going, that's me, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But he's finding out things like that. He's like, I, as a kid, um, Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Yeah. No, I'd never have gone. Mm, that's that's a Prince song. You just don't. Yeah. You don't think that's a Prince song.
0: Shaka Khan's I Feel For You, that's a Prince song.
1: Yeah, but I only know that because Mother Raf's a massive Prince fan and she told me that. Um, I never in a million years have thought I was a Prince song.
0: Manic Monday by the Bangles.
1: Wow. That's a Prince song. The thing is, because of my sense of humour and I'm a massive Simon Pegg fan, as soon as somebody mentions Prince to me, and don't get me wrong, I love Prince, he's a great artist, I just think of the Batman album because of Short of the Dead. That's all I can say.
0: <laughs> Here's a good one for your pub quiz. It's more like a factoid more than anything else, right. actually. yeah. That Mars is the only planet in the entire galaxy that is completely populated by robots.
1: Think. That's just finished me off. I can't work that out. Because all that's on
0: there, there is uh, they have not found no yes. evidence of yes. life. okay. I've got but you. there's probes or, or landers and rovers all yes. over that planet. There's loads of them that's amazing so it's the only planet in the entire galaxy that's completely populated by robots and people think of that and they just think to themselves this is like Terminator this is
1: that's what that's what just happened in my head I, I was expecting Arnie <laughs> to be marching along yeah thanks for that yeah <laughs> My little one has just woken up and is coming down the stairs. Hookie dokey So, uh, Mark, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed
0: that. Okay, that's it It's that's uh, that's a pleasure to have you on the show. As I I've been wanting to for a little while.
1: No worries, mate. Have a good one. All and the best. See you.
0: Spamheadproductions.weebly.com That's Spamheadproductions.weebly.com Thanks, Freddie, for taking time out to chat with us. I think he comes across really natural on the microphone, so I've asked Eddie whether he would like to be a regular voice on the Garbage Pod in the new year, and he said he would love to. I'm hoping he would like to get involved with our annual Garbage Pod stroke TGP nominal holiday special too. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and that leaves me with only one thing left to say. Take care one and all, thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you all again real soon. Be sure to visit thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show.
2: Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com
0: Because your input is is our output or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include twitter and facebook if you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts you can do so via itunes the rss feed and also stitcher and TuneIn on demand radio don't forget to rate and review us you can find links on all our podcast pages if you like what we're doing here then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages and don't forget to spread the word about us
2: The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.